0: The following article is from the September-October 2019 issue of the California Freemason magazine. Member Profile, Rising from the Ashes, A Musician Turns Immense Loss into Inspiration, and a Fresh Start. That was almost it for me, Nate Smith of Table Mountain Lodge No. 124 says matter-of-factly of of the 2018 campfire that destroyed 150,000 acres, including virtually all of Smith's hometown of Paradise. A year later, the fire continues to shape Smith's life in profound and unexpected ways. All that was impossible to predict on the morning of November 8, 2018, within hours, his apartment and practically everything else in the small Butte County town had been completely leveled. Smith evacuated to his father's home in Chico and, like thousands of fleeing Paradise residents, waited and prayed for the best. A few days after the fire broke out, Smith and his friend Michael Goodwin started working on a song together, playing on a donated guitar. It was titled One of Those Days, a tribute to paradise and the victims of the fire. You can tear these four walls down, you can burn this whole damn city to the ground, you're never going to take our home. One of these days, we're going to see the sunset rise in paradise. Smith and Goodwin, calling themselves the Cold Weather Sons, debuted the song on Facebook and performed it live on Thanksgiving on Good Day Sacramento, a local television program. The song was a hit, racking up thousands of views online. In January, Governor Gavin Newsom invited him to perform at the California Rises Benefit Concert in Sacramento, the first of several benefit shows he's since headlined. He's opened for big-name acts like Pitbull and Travis Denning and played small local events like the Paradise Charter School's graduation ceremony. At each, Smith has donated the proceeds to Victims of the Fire. "'It's the smaller moments that mean a lot to me,' Smith says. "'It makes me realize that I'm doing this for something greater.'" Today, Smith is actively performing and pursuing his musical career. In June, he went back on Good Day Sacramento to debut a new song, Wildfire, which is available on Spotify and Apple Music. The track made Apple's country hot track list on iTunes. "'You think to yourself, I might not have been here,' Smith says." It Made Me Realize How Thankful I Am to Be Alive and That I Still Have a Chance to Go Forth Written by Justin Gepitana The following article is from the November-December 2019 issue of California Freemason Magazine. It's titled, A Company Man. Nick Thoreau is providing the musical soundtrack to His Lodge and A Link to History by Ian A. Stewart. In the days leading up to the first degree he attended since joining Eureka Lodge Number no. 16 in 2017, Nick Thoreau sat down behind the lodge's circa 1880s organ, which had been collecting dust for God knows how long. Thoreau isn't easily intimidated by a new instrument. He's mastered nearly a dozen, but this was something entirely new. A lot of knobs and pumps, Thoreau recalls with a chuckle. It squeaks now and then. No matter, within a few bars, Thoreau had made it sing and won over his new lodge brother's. He's phenomenal, says Master Rick Hodgen. just incredible. That combination of musical virtuosity and personal curiosity has served Eureka Lodge well. Thoreau now acts as the Lodge organist, an officer's role that's increasingly uncommon in California, though not quite extinct. According to Grand Lodge records, there are 77 organists among the state's 331 lodges, though fewer of them actually play the instrument. For members of Eureka Lodge Number 16 in Auburn, Thoreau has provided not only an atmospheric soundtrack to stated meetings and degree conferrals, but also a musical link to a long fraternal tradition. It's part of what Lodge leaders say is a Masonic revival in Auburn that's focused on providing fellowship and embracing the aesthetics of the craft. That's meant a newfound commitment to practicing and perfecting the ritual, enlivening events and ceremonies, and now offering custom musical accompaniment. For Thoreau, approaching the organ was practically second nature and it's not even remotely the strangest instrument he plays. In fact, Thoreau is the leader of the United Caledonian Pipe Band and one of the top bagpipers in the United States. He teaches guitar, bass, piano, drums, flute, pipes, side drumming, and other string instruments at a local studio. And he's the lead guitarist of a rock band, with one voice, that's getting ready to release its first album. So while the mechanics of learning the organ represented a relatively simple hurdle, Thoreau was actually confronted with a bigger problem, a lack of music to play. I couldn't really find any Masonic music, he says. There wasn't like a set of musical curricula. At the direction of past master Eric Chilson, Thoreau asked past grandmaster John L. Cooper III, an expert on Masonic history, for advice. He gave me some direction as far as what kind of music to do, Thoreau says. We wanted a mix of contemporary and traditional hymns, but you have to make it universal. It can't be too denominational. What he came up with was a series of original compositions, tunes that all Lodge members can sing, even those with no musical background, with lyrics on Masonic themes like brotherly love. Others are instrumental and intended to accompany certain Lodge functions. His first piece, Setting Jewels, is played during just that. The songs were a hit. To hear this guy play is amazing, Chilson says. The first time he played, I'll tell you what, it raised the hairs on your arms. Absolutely beautiful. This fall, Grand Lecturer Ricky Lawler was in attendance to see Thoreau play. He was blown away. It really enhances the ritual, Lawler says of the experience. Lawler immediately enlisted Thoreau, along with Grand Organist Stephen R. Miller and Assistant Grand Organist Jonathan Davis, to make recordings of Masonic musical scores that will eventually be posted online, where other lodges will be able to download them for free and play during their own lodge functions. For Thoreau, music offered a unique entry into masonry. At 25, he's half the age of other members of his lodge, yet he says he felt comfortable right away in Eureka. With some of these guys, there's 50 years between us, but they have that on-the-level mentality. There are people there who are way more successful than me, but they can take me under their wing and teach me about life and how to better myself, he says. That cuts both ways. Nick's been a big part of our lodge, Chilson says. When you work so hard to raise the standard and be an impeccable lodge, The music is such a powerful addition, it brings a spiritual and philosophical note to everything. It's beautiful, and it's important. The following article is from the April 2019 California Freemason magazine, and is titled, The Masons of Jazz. Deep Masonic Friendships Connected the Giants of Jazz by Michelle Simone. From Count Basie to Cab Calloway to Duke Ellington, many of the American jazz greats of the early to mid 20th century have long been household names throughout the United States and well beyond. What's not as well known is that many of these male musicians and their artistic contemporaries were also Prince Hall Masons devoted to each other and united by their craft. Hubs of creativity. Medina Lodge number 19, a Prince Hall Lodge in New York City, Is known for nourishing deep friendships between artists and musicians. This legacy dates back to the 1920s when it was home to composer Eubie Blake and his lifelong friend and songwriting partner, Noble Sissel. Archival photos and videos show the two men reveling in each other's company as they perform together, Blake on the piano and Sissel beside him, charming audiences with their contagious enthusiasm and visible delight. This strong sense of fellowship was carried through their Masonic community, Jazz icon Count Basie, the King of Swing, was also a Medina Lodge member, and among the moments of fellowship he recounted fondly in his autobiography was the band's gig on a tourist cruise, for which Blake was also in attendance. Yubi was his usual fun-loving self. He claimed that he was warming up for his 87th birthday celebration, Quipped Basie. Blake and Sizzle, a.k.a. the Dixie duo, were most well known for composing the lyrics and music to Shuffle Along, Produced in 1921, it was the first all-black musical to become a box office hit. Although today's audiences would find some portrayals of black Americans in Shuffle Along to be problematic, it was a fundamental contribution to the beginning of the Harlem Renaissance. The musical launched the careers of many prominent black actors and vocal artists, including those of several Masons. Lifting One Another Up Among the talented alumni of Shuffle Along was the multi-talented actor and singer Paul Robeson, made a mason at sight. First introduced to many American audiences by Blake and Sissel, he moved on to selling out productions of the musical Showboat in London, largely because of his moving performance of the song Old Man River. In 1930, Robeson continued to transcend barriers by starring in the groundbreaking performance of Shakespeare's Othello. Grammy Award-winning singer and jazz pianist Nat King Cole is another notable shuffle-along alumnus. He performed as a pianist in the National Tour. Perhaps most known today for his 1951 hit performance of the song Unforgettable by Irving Gordon, Cole was a Prince Hall Mason and lifelong member of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. When criticized for playing before segregated audiences in the early part of his career, he defended his decision, explaining I may be helping to bring harmony between people through my music." Perhaps because of this desire to reach diverse audiences regardless of their views around racial equality, Cole later became the first Black American performer to host a variety TV series, The Nat King Cole Show. Though it was lasted only one year, Cole used this platform to promote the work of fellow jazz artists, including masons like Basie, and the major highlight of his film career was playing W.C. Handy, known as the father of blues, alongside famed showman, singer, and band leader Cab Calloway, a member of Pioneer Lodge No. 1 in St. Paul, Minnesota. It is possible that Cole's inspiration for elevating his brother's careers was at least partially inspired by his home lodge, Thomas Waller Lodge No. 49 in Los Angeles. Jazz enthusiasts may recognize its legendary namesake, Thomas Fats Waller, widely considered to be one of the greatest jazz pianists ever, Among Waller's many accolades was a Grammy Hall of Fame award for his recording of Ain't Misbehavin', which later inspired a 1978 musical by the same title, a tribute to black musicians of the Harlem Renaissance. Spreading Brotherly Love Although Prince Hall musicians did not often speak publicly of their Masonic friendships, a sense of kinship is evident when viewing photos and videos of the era of brothers performing together. Brothers also nodded to their Masonic friendships' subtle ways, such as Duke Ellington, a member of Social Lodge Number no. 1 in Washington, D.C., and 32nd-degree Scottish Rite Prince Hall Mason, who is shown in his autobiography wearing a Shriner's fez. Their close-knit friendships were also clearly evident to the non-Masons who frequently interacted with brothers, such as Louis Armstrong, who reminisces his own biography about his enthusiasm for performing at Masonic funerals. In his autobiography, Baseline, Milt Hinton, the Dean of Jazz Bass Players, provided precious insight into the strong Masonic friendships his contemporaries enjoyed on the road. He belonged to Pioneer Lodge No. 1 at the same time as Callaway, and recalled how several musicians in their band made it a priority to attend Lodge whenever they were in St. Paul. There were enough of us in the band to have our own Lodge meetings on the road, wrote Hinton. Sometimes backstage between shows, we'd have a short meeting and conduct readings. Prince Hall musicians also drew upon their Masonic values of tolerance and respect while traveling to perform for audiences around the world. As jazz music reached near-universal popularity, its musicians were oftentimes turned to for fostering diplomacy. A prime example is that of Brother Lionel Hampton, a.k.a. the King of Vibes. He was initially known for introducing the vibraphone to jazz music. Yet it was his notable talent as a composer and arranger for the self-titled Lionel Hampton Orchestra that cemented his global reputation. In 1957, US President Dwight D. Eisenhower appointed Hampton as American Goodwill Ambassador, a role extended by President Richard Nixon. Over the course of several years, Hampton and his orchestra made numerous tours through Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East, sharing their music and exploring the cultures of the world. A document in the U.S. National Archives reports on Hampton's journey to the Far East, stating, Lionel Hampton has a charisma all his own. His personality reaches out to people and they react favorably. He is completely cooperative and equally engaging to the Thai public, whether playing clubs, giving jazz workshops, performing for the royal household, or touring the markets and landmarks of the city. Hampton once said, Gratitude is when memory is stored in the heart and not in the mind and it is a sense of humility and gratitude that seems to tie together the legacies of these great Masonic artists. As each of them achieved remarkable personal successes, they were tied together and lifted up by the bonds of brotherly love that they shared. It was an internal force, a sense of strength to move forward, coupled with an obligation to carry their brothers with them. As Hinton put it, being a Mason is a sacred thing. So that was a few seconds of uh, Open Your Eyes by Jeremy Dean Harrison, a Masonic musician and a member of our Lodge. So a little bit of information about Jeremy, this is straight off of his website. I would actually like to interview him personally, but he's moved away and doesn't get around to Lodge much. If I ever get him in again, we'll definitely do an in-person interview. So off of Jeremy's website, it has never been a lifelong goal of mine to participate in the commerce of art. I always loved how art and music would touch my soul, beckoning a call to explore the inner depths of the human condition. Through music, I became concerned with the actualization of the human potential and the optimization of the human experience. These are not philosophical terms to me, but rather an active re-evaluation of my life towards the greatest and most perfect being ever to walk this earth. It is here that each one of us must find the path away from imperfection and gaze into the infinite depth of existence to create our story our hero's journey. In a sense, I do believe the story is exactly the same for each and every one of us, from the beginning of infinity to the end of infinity, in a splash of irony. We all interpret the truth of our life, but we all interpret it differently from one another. Each one of us must explore the unknown and bring back a symbolic souvenir. Frederick Nietzsche once said, Thus the man who is responsive to artistic stimuli reacts to the reality of dreams As does the philosopher to the reality of existence, he observes closely, and he enjoys his observation. For it is out of these images that he interprets life, out of these processes that he trains himself for life. I observe this world in all its wonders. I sense beyond the basic intelligences of the mind, heart, and body. Music to me is a language spoken by the Creator. In a sense, unbeknownst to myself, I grab hold of infinite melodies that come from nowhere, and I pull them into my consciousness. These songs do not belong to me. They belong to something much greater than myself. I assume many of us hear the same vibration, built and translated through sacred geometry. Yet here I am. I am an artist, and I do want to survive as an artist. We are all artists, creators of our own destiny. It is only ourselves we can entrust with our infinite connection. If you would like to hear the infinite tone, one must open heart and mind, and until then, enjoy my interpretation of our Creator's word. My best advice? Be humble and create something great. We believe that we know something about the things themselves when we speak of trees, colors, snow, and flowers, and yet we possess nothing but metaphors for things, metaphors which correspond in no way to the original entities. Friedrich Nietzsche Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment.